When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall is presented by the DC Crossover. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Bird's Eye View, the real stories of overseas basketball. I'm your host, Erica McCall, and I'm so excited for this first episode. If you don't know me, I am a fifth-year WBA veteran playing for the Washington Mystics. I was picked up in 2017 by the Indiana Fever. And most importantly, I played four years of overseas basketball in Hungary with the same team. We'll get to that later because that's a tremendous experience on its own. But the reason why I wanted to bring this show to you guys, because everywhere I go in America, somewhere around the world, people are asking me, what is overseas basketball like? And I wanted to bring to you guys stories and highlight different experiences from my friends around in the overseas basketball world and let them tell their stories to you. I mean, I'm asking, asked What's the food like? What's the basketball like? What's the traveling like? I mean, the list goes on. So I wanted to create a podcast for fans, basketball fans around the world to be able to understand what these experiences are like. So each episode will have a different topic and will highlight a certain experience of what the basketball experience is like. And so today's episode is no other than basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way you dribble up and down the court. Yes. Today's topic is basketball. Of course, I just wanted to do a little intro about what this whole life is all about. And so I wanted to bring in the guest who knows a lot about basketball herself. The guest is no other than my Washington Mystics teammate, but for life, Pac-12 enemy, Sydney Weiss. Bird. Sid, how are you? <laughs> Bird, I am wonderful. I feel so honored to be your first guest on your podcast. Yes. Super excited about this. And I also love how you included at the very, very end that we are Pac-12 enemies. Because I think that's important. Because that's Absolutely. a lifetime thing. But beyond that, now we're finally teammates. Finally teammates. And there is so much joy in that alone. So I'm happy Absolutely. to be with you, Bird. Absolutely. Now, Sid, let me give the people a little intro about who you are, because you're a pretty darn spectacular person on and off the court. You're too much. Too much. <laughs> so you're a fifth year WBA veteran. We are the same class. The you same. were drafted first round in 2017, where I was as well, sitting right next to you, yep. to the Los Angeles Sparks. And currently, you're my teammate with the Washington Mystics. Actually, did you know, Sid, that last year you were ranked fourth in the whole WBA in three-point shooting percentage? Pretty darn spectacular. And my favorite facts of them all, 
overseas experience. Sid, your overseas experience is amazing. In 2017 through the 2018 season in Australia, you won a championship and you also played in Spain, in Israel. Sid, what has been the overseas basketball life been for you? Oh, bird. I honestly, I know there's a lot of, you're going to be hearing so many stories about overseas, um, your own experiences included. I have really enjoyed the opportunity to travel the world and be in different places in the world because of basketball. Um, Each season has presented its own challenges and obstacles. Every basketball season has that. Every, Every season is full of adversity, whether it's on or off the court. Um, but I have been very fortunate to go to really cool countries. Um, and I, unlike you, where you've been on the same team, your entire overseas experience, yeah. I've gone to a different country each season and mm. been with different people, been in a different culture each season. Um, but I think overall, I'm just grateful for each lesson that each season has brought to me, each experience. Right. Um, the people that I've been able to meet, the different styles of basketball, it's overall, like I look back and I'll always be grateful for these years to play basketball overseas. Absolutely, man. I mean, overseas basketball is a journey <laughs> and you go through a lot of ups and downs. Um, and one of the downs and difficulties of it, at least in my experience, has been adjusting from playing in America to playing overseas. So what are some of the difficulties and adjustments that you have to do for yourself? I think my first year overseas, I was in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went from, I mean, we both experienced it where it was from, you had a great run in college, straight to the draft, straight to a WNBA season, straight to overseas. Like you might've had like a couple days in between each thing that took place. And I went into the Australian, when I was signing the contract to go to Australia, I was looking for honestly, like a shorter overseas season because Mm -hmm. I I could tell like I was going to be tired. I was tired just from college straight to the WNBA um, and then right overseas. And so I I was fortunate because yes, Australia is a shorter season. So I got there um, like mid beginning of October. And I was there until like the beginning of February. So like it was a, it was a short season. Um, but I think looking back, I, I would love to go back to Australia because Mm -hmm. I had the whole time I was like counting down when I could go home because I was just so tired. (laughs) And so with like basketball wise, like I, the motivation that I had like for our group was like, we need to win the championship because Mm -hmm we're going to make this thing worth it, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and yes. And basketball wise, I think um, the transition from not only like college to the pros and then pros in a different country, mm-hmm. I for sure came in with this perspective of like, I know how to play basketball <laughs> and I am here to show you your country, yes. what I can bring to the table. Right. And I quickly learned in that season, how, how freaking good, overseas basketball players are like in each country and Australia taught me that really quick like they are some of the best basketball players in the world yeah because I know for myself you hear all these Americans averaging 25 points you know when they go to their overseas team so immediately I'm thinking coming in to my I'm top dog 
I'm going to get all the shots. I'm the best player on this team. And you learn very quickly that is quite the contrary. Yes. And I think, too, um, the stark contrast in each country, because mm-hmm. there are some countries that it's easier to average that, those amount of points. And I, right. not to take away from the women who are Absolutely. getting buckets, like they mm-hmm. are getting buckets. And it's a different mindset that you have overseas. And then right. for Australia, when I was there, it was a very team oriented approach, which I was also looking for as well. Cause I was not ready to step into that grown women yeah. mindset of like, as I don't a care who's around me. Yes. I don't care who's around me. I'm going to get buckets. Like I've, yes. that's never really been my style anyways. And so I appreciated that. I learned quickly. These women mm-hmm. do not mess around. They're really good. Also, right. it's not going to be easy for me to just like score 15 or 20 a night. Like right. I, I have a lot to learn. Right. And that's the thing when you, you, you constantly keep saying women, like these are grown women. They've got kids, spouses, they other can jobs, other jobs, 10 to 15 yes. years older than you and still balling. Like it's yes. a different experience overseas. Yeah. And I think up until that point, like we play people generally our age, like a four year at most like four years older than us because of high school or because of college. Right. And then you get to this level and you understand like, okay, they might not have, they might not have what they used to have physically, but their mind is all that they need to set them apart. And you're, yeah. you're getting picked apart by people who are like 10, 15 years older than you on yeah. both ends of the floor. And you're like, Oh, Oh, okay. So this is, this is professional basketball. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And not only are they picking on you because they know that you're young, they pick on you because you're an American. (laughs) They know that Americans, we have this mindset, Americans, that we are just the best country and we are the best players. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like I said, we go into situations like that, thinking that we're just going to be top dog. And those overseas players humble you quickly. Yes, quickly. And I, I mean, there were multiple moments where I was, I was frustrated with myself because you do come in with that mindset of it's my job to be here mm-hmm. and produce for this. Team. Yes. Like if it's not scoring, I have to do something. And yep. so I think that's difficult as a, as a young player, because you don't even really understand or realize how much you have to learn, yep. but you're hoping that while you're out there, you can, you can use what you do have to still be good enough to produce individually and for the, and for the group. And right. sometimes it doesn't look like that. And you're like, you start, you question yourself as a basketball player. Cause you're like, I don't even know if I'm really cut out for this. Do they have the patience mm-hmm. for a young player to learn? Because Absolutely. apparently I have a yeah. lot to learn out here, <laughs> but they need me. They need yes. me to make stuff happen. So what do right. you do? Mm-hmm. So what was the, the pressure like when you were a rookie, when you played in Australia? Cause I know for me, I just had all this pressure on myself because you have such I had six patients like you got to you got to ball out. You know, you this move. is your profession. You got to You're an American. You're expected to produce at a high level every single day. So I know that pressure really bothered me for the first couple months overseas. Was that the same for you? I think I put a lot of the pressure on my own shoulders mm-hmm. uh, because I did, I came in like we just talked about. I'm going to come in and be that American. Like I'm being brought over here with a purpose and I'm going to force the issue to make sure that happens. Not understanding like even the style of 
Australian basketball and how they do play. They like to move the ball. They like to um, get a lot of actions in. And it's not a lot of pressure individually to just like go get buckets. And so I had to step into a new system coming out of a new system in the WNBA and then four years of being in the same system. So you and I can relate because I feel like Stanford and Oregon State, like it's a very intense system of basketball where all the pieces work together. And you figure out your role. And it's like, that is your muscle memory is like, I know this is what I'm doing every Mm -hmm. single day. And then you leave that, you go to the WNBA and then you go overseas and you're almost like relearning how to play basketball freely because you're so used to that system. Yes. And so I felt that for sure. My, my first couple months. Um, and then I also, I got there late, so I didn't get any type of like practices, like right. a full practice window, because they had mm-hmm. already been practicing for like a month. But because of our season, didn't have that window. So you're just thrown into the mix, like yep. catch up on the fly. And I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself to like mm-hmm. make things happen. Right. And apparently you did because you guys won a championship your rookie <laughs> hey, year. So I, I was surrounded by really good players. <laughs> like I, I am so grateful because like they were all really great basketball players, but Mm -hmm. they were also very awesome women and they helped me along the way. I got to know them as people got to know their families. And so they made the experience what it was. And we were able to genuinely get that championship, like as a collective unit, which was also really cool to experience. And that I think also became my mindset of overseas was like, Oh, wherever I'm at, we're going to win championships every (laughs) season, like for sure. And then after that, like, the, the next couple of years of playing overseas, I was like, I definitely appreciate that championship in Australia yes, because I absolutely. think that that's been my last championship. Like since I left college, like mm-hmm. that was my championship. And then obviously like WNBA overseas, like it's been dry seasons, man. Right. <laughs> so I look back and I'm like, yep, that's, that what do nice. I know? <laughs> Boy, do I know. We'll get into that. <laughs> maybe another episode, <laughs> but break down that championship series that was in Australia, like break down what the system is like, what it took for you guys to get there and just the playing experience, the fan experience, what was all like? Yeah. So I think because it was a shorter season, um, that's depending on the country. Sometimes like you could, I feel like almost every country could have a shorter season, but they Mm -hmm. really love to draw it out. They don't like some countries only play one time a week. And so you have a full week of practices, one game, and then you go into the next week of your routine of practicing. And then one game a week, which can like, can make things really long here in Australia, because it was more condensed. Like I still think we had 30 ish games, but we had like two games a week. So there yeah. was, okay. there was a lot more action happening, like in right. season, it helped time go by a little bit faster. Cause it wasn't yes. just like, you're spending a week in practice, like busting your butt for five days to play. And then if you yes. lose, you're just like, Oh gosh, that works. for those oh, who do not know, if you only play one game a week overseas, an eighth month can season can feel like two years not even exaggerating like we're not even trying to be dramatic it just (laughs) it draws out games help the week move faster (laughs) and that's what you need more games more days off it just it helps you it helps it helps travel days yes Yes. everything so because of that because our, our season was condensed we had travel days we had um more games a week and then 
I'm trying to remember what the playoff format was like. I think we were either first or second when we finished um, going into playoffs. And it was um, a three-game series, like, for the semis and then into the final series. And I think the first series, we won two games right away. And then we were in the final series. And it ended up going to a game three, um, which was a lot of fun because we won the championship on our home floor. And um, What city did you play in again? Townsville. Townsville okay so it's in Queensland it's like mm-hmm. where the Great Barrier Reef is at so it's like gotcha. northwestern northeastern Australia gosh my geography it's been so long um, I just know Australia so <laughs> yes great <laughs> when I when I heard Townsville too I was like where is that place? yeah um but we we had it was a small it wasn't like a big city like Sydney or Melbourne like it was mm-hmm. a it was a smaller town so we had awesome fan support right. it was sold out when we were in the champion like the Incredible. game three of the championship series and um people would recognize you around town because like like I said it's small and so they were like great game the other day like it really yeah. felt super at home and comfortable and like you felt like a part of the community and that they really cared for you and so that's what made it so special to win the championship on our home floor right yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about playing in a small country and are not a, a small country in Hungary for sure. But within that, a small town, it's a you feel like a celebrity. Everyone said you're walking down the street. Everyone's waving hi to you. They're congratulating you for, you know, the game from last night. You see them in the grocery store. Like it's a different experience compared to like, I don't know if it was similar for you when at Oregon State, you know, you're probably the hot shots celebrity, you know, there, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it, it was a small town. So I, I did, I had a similar experience at Quebec. Well, well. Okay. <laughs> but I know if you play in bigger cities, bigger countries, you know, you're yeah, just person. treated like any other citizen that lives there. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, you've played for three different countries overseas so talk a little about the differences I mean Australia they speak English there so it's kind of an easier adjustment to adjust to a lot of the systems with basketball and just interacting with people in general but how is it like when you played in Israel and Spain Mm -hmm. I think um like I said I was definitely spoiled in Australia Mm -hmm. um didn't realize it at the time, but like going into my next season overseas in Israel, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, because it was my first experience being in a country where like, I would look at billboards and and it would be in Hebrew. So like, I, you can't even, and it's not like, it's not letters, like it's not English letters. So you look at it and you're like, I I have no idea. I can't even like begin to decipher what these symbols are saying. Um, and then you would, I think, you probably experienced this too. Like, you know, when you're about to like get on that final flight to like the country you're going to and you, you stop hearing English speaking, like you, you no longer hear it on the plane. You don't hear it from the flight attendants. You don't hear it. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know the next time I'm going to hear English casually. Yep. And that's what I felt going to Israel. I just, Mm -hmm. I kept hearing Hebrew um, around me in the airport, getting on the plane. And it's pretty overwhelming because you just feel like you don't, almost like discombobulated like you don't really fit in with what's happening but you know you're going exactly to the same place as everybody else absolutely um and and then you don't really know what to expect basketball wise because 
will people be able to speak English? Will I need a translator? Is there pretty decent English? Like what's going to be happening mm-hmm. in the heat of a game? Like when the, when your natural like default language is a different language, are we going to be able to communicate in that? Yes. Like, so, so many different things. And I think I, I got to a team that the coach spoke decent English, but when he would yell at the Israeli players, like he changed it to speak Hebrew. So you could just hear the tone. But you had yeah. no idea what he was saying. Um, and then like, whenever he would talk to the Americans, like he would speak in English. And then my teammates mm-hmm. spoke really, really good English for the most part. But like, whenever there would be side conversations, sometimes you, you just sort of like learn to mind your business because yes. people will communicate, like teammates will communicate in, yes. in their, in their language. And you're like, not even going to ask questions. And you're like, just hanging you're just out until you hear some then, English. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then, and then they'll talk to you as if they've been talking to you the whole time. And you're like, you were <laughs> speaking a completely different language. <laughs> I'm supposed hmm. to follow that. Right. What are you talking about? What was that? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. Is so, that what you said in Spain? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Va, va, va. Okay. <laughs> Love yeah, it. it's constant, constant. <laughs> now, that was another question I was going to ask you. As a PG, you got to know all the plays, where everybody is in the play. You know, I'm very fortunate as a post player. I just got to know four and five do. <laughs> you know, I know I should know where everybody is. Of but, course. you know, sometimes there's just so many plays and yeah. you just know your positions. But you, yes. as a PG, you got to know everything and so I'm wondering how that was trying to communicate with your teammates trying to get the play right and when a coach wrote up a play in a huddle what experience is that like I think um because of overseas basketball you Mm -hmm. you've been fortunate because your position has been consistent I have played mainly two and three overseas or like a combination of like one, two, three. And sometimes the four bird, I played the four in Israel. Big guard. No, (laughs) respect, respect. That is a completely different mindset. Wild. We'll get into that. But like, um, because of playing point guard at Oregon state and most of my life, that that is always on like when it comes to like the mental component of learning Mm -hmm. plays is trying to understand each position um, even if I'm not handling the ball and so I think I had to learn that in Australia because I they brought me in um, mainly as like a two three because usually the Americans depending on the style of each country the point guard is literally just a distributor like setting the table and then getting people in position Mm -hmm. they need us over there to score and to create from different spots and so I had to learn that was another adjustment for me was I don't have the ball in my hands to create off the dribble how can I use my body to stop and go Mm -hmm. um, to create space without having the ball in my hands which like doesn't sound difficult but it's like completely different than the point guard position which I learned which I learned bird oh my gosh and so I think in in Israel um it started to click my third year in Spain where I would see um the coach draw up certain plays or I would communicate things of like hey I think this could work and so that PG mindset turned back on and I felt a little bit more confident in like what we're trying to do as a group more quickly. Cause I think I was just trying to find my footing my first two years individually. Mm-hmm. And then that third year in 
Spain, I could finally like put my two cents in of like understanding the professional game quickly and understanding like what Spain style was like. So I could put my perspective in of like, okay, I think this could work. Let's put the ball here, this, that, the other. And so it's been a a learning curve for me to learn one through three in different countries. For sure. Talk a little bit about Spanish basketball, because um, if you've seen Spanish basketball through the Olympics or some type of international tournament, it's a different style of basketball. A lot of people say it's fast paced, it's cutting goals. It's, it's, it's very different from traditional basketball you may see in America or even just a different country. Like Spain has their own style of play. They sure do. And they work hard. Yeah. I got there once again, because of our season, most times like we don't get there when the team begins their practices. And so we're just jumping in like, and trying to blend in or like work our way into the systems seamlessly. And I rem- I'll never forget like my first practice there. I think I had landed the day before I get on the course. Of course. Um, yeah. That's how they do <laughs> and it. It's like, all right, you ready for practice and it's they like allow you I don't know six what hours day sleep. it is yep. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and they the, the team was on one end of the floor doing like it was their night practice so I think they had had a morning practice and then right. it was their night practice so they were only doing like half court um five on five actions and I was on the other end just getting shots up like trying to like move a little bit and I I was winded for the shots. Like we were moving around and I was like, Ooh, okay. It's been a while. Cause like we were coming out of playoffs. So, you know, it's different. Like when you're practicing for playoffs and practice in general, like for the WNBA is not always like difficult. And so I was, and my coach was like, Oh, you'll be in shape. Like you were just in playoffs. And I was like, listen, (laughs) it's different. I don't think how people really think about how different playoff style practices compared to regular season practices. They're way more chill, way more lax. You're just really going over your opponents, you know, plan set, what you're going to do and get some shots up. It's a lot of video. Yeah. Yes. It's a lot of film. Like, cause you're, it's at the end of a season. And so you've been through all the wars, all the practices. So now yeah. it's like fine tuning the details mentally. So then your body is fresh when you're out there. So like, you're not really practicing. And then that like game shape is different than being in like practice shape. Yes. And so I was in game shape where I could, I could play for like three, four minutes hard. And then, you know, yeah. sub out. So when we started practicing, I said, this is going to be a season because <laughs> they went so hard. Like, and I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. how hard they went each possession, like competing at such a yeah. high level their physicality, their speed, their change of speed, how shifty they are like Spanish basketball, they move so differently. And, um, if you remember my take Cazorla, she went, she was a guard at Oregon when we played in the Pac-12, all of us Mm -hmm. and her defense, like, because she's used to those types of guards that, that move in such different ways, Mm -hmm. she could guard Americans easily because like, it's not like, it's not like we're, it's just different basketball. And so I learned yes. that, like, I saw how like my taste style was like, that was Spanish basketball mm-hmm. was being able to play physical, quick defense in your face, quick hands, yes. and then come on the other end of the floor and give you the spin cycle. Like it was no big deal <laughs> while also 
finishing it with contact at the rim. I said, who yeah. are these guards? <laughs> who are these Spanish guards? It was crazy. It's, I think I hate Spanish, playing Spanish uh, teams. Yeah. Spanish basketball is like my, it's become one of my favorite styles to play. Mm. Like I really enjoyed playing in Spain. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Spanish basketball is, um, I'm incredible. I remember we played overseas. I can't remember what team it was, but we lost by 40 points. It was, it was a Spanish different. team. Say it again. It was a Spanish team. Yes. A Spanish team. And it was just, really hard to guard just and the way that they move without the ball too it's not just with the ball that's the key to spanish basketball yeah how you move without the ball post players guards everyone everyone and the way that they can pass it like you'll you'll get back cut without even realizing it and the ball is already going to your person who's like laying it up and you're you completely thought they were going to be doing something else. Like, and that's what makes it so difficult is because of how physical they are and Mm. how quickly they change. Like they read the defense so well that the defense is always wrong. Yes. Spanish basketball is high IQ basketball. Yes. 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 And they, they sort of make it look like flashy sometimes because they, they do these no look passes, but it's literally them. Like they're just playing and they know like, that person's going to be there so I can look away easily make yeah. that pass we're running back on defense and oh my gosh. Hey man you don't have to do all that <laughs> made a simple pass. I'm already I'm already <laughs> embarrassed I'm already embarrassed but like noted okay great yeah all right so you talked a little about the practices take me through any country you want what a typical practice day would be like I'll do Spain I'll do Spain um it's I can do a little you can, bit. You can do a compare and contrast if you want. Yeah. So Australia, it was like a morning lift and shoot around. So this is like early on in the week. Um, mm-hmm. Like I would say a couple days before a game. So you have some time to recover. Um, morning, sh- morning lift and then to a shooting workout and then an evening practice as a team. Okay. And that would be like two times a week if we didn't have two games that week mm-hmm. and then the rest of it would be like an evening practice because some of the women on our team had jobs and so they would they would only be able to do like an evening practice and so right. in most countries actually like we had evening practices everywhere that I've been just because mm-hmm. like they're real Same. people there <laughs> so yep. it's like they they finish their day at the gym um Israel was really easy that was that was probably the country that I struggled with, like having a normal sleep schedule the most, because mm-hmm. we would not practice until like 7 p.m. sometimes or mm-hmm. like 6 no. p.m. That would be our practice. only practice. Yeah. And that would be um, our only practice for the day because yeah. um, the gyms, they we would practice at like a school gym. So like yeah. they would have school there all day and then they would have handball. They, they would have different sports going on. So your window is so it's hard small. to get yourself going if you wait all day to practice. Yeah. I hate it. Which, which is why I would go to sleep because of the time difference. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I wouldn't go to sleep until 6 a.m. I would right. sleep until like 3 p.m. And then I'd eat something and go to practice. This is why you are like this now. If you guys don't know, <laughs> Sydney Weiss, uh, sleeping schedule is fresh when she wants. And then it's usually at at least 2 a.m. 
it's not at the normal hours of operation for our society. So I, I am learning, I'm getting better bird, but like Israel did not help that cause. So only was there for that season, went to Spain. It was a okay. little bit more structured in Spain. And yes. I, I, because of Israel, I was like anticipating, Oh, I'll be able to go to sleep late, <laughs> get up late. And I know literally it was sort of like, um, Australia where we would have lifting in the morning. Um, sometimes a shooting practice, um, sometimes like an actual practice after mm-hmm. lifting and then like an evening shooting practice. So for most, right. for the most part, we would have our practice in the morning. And then sometimes we would have like a second practice in the evening, or we would have, um, just some shooting or we'd have it off. Um, and Spain was one of those countries we were actually in Euro cup too. So we did play two times a week for the mm-hmm. most part, which was really helpful because of travel and, Right. Uh, but if we wouldn't have, we would have had a lot of two a days, which I am. Thank you. Good, sweet Lord that we, that we were traveling thank because those practices. Yes. Yeah. No joke, man. Right. And for those who don't know what Euro cup and Euro league, these are two different leagues outside of your country's league. So it's made up of teams all around Europe. Um, Euro league is the highest league. Um, that you can play in in Europe and then Euro Cup is right underneath it. And so typically if you play in Euro Cup or Euro League, you have a game through your um, country's league. And then a couple of days later, you'll have a game through the Euro Cup or Euro League. Um, and that really helps the season move. <laughs> and through that, you get to um, play throughout Europe. You'll get to play in Israel, Turkey, Russia, Hungary, Slovakia, the, the list goes on. Everywhere. Playing. Everywhere. Yeah. Playing in those leagues really allow you to get to explore Europe in ways that you typically wouldn't if you just played in your country's league. And also experience all the different types of basketball. Like when Absolutely. you play France, it's different. When you play Hungary, yes. it's different. And yeah. so it, it really challenges you as a basketball player to like bring your, your country style to the table mm-hmm. and then see how you can match up against the best in Europe. Yeah. And it's, it's really a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be yeah. a part of. Cool. Well, last question, Sid, what has been your favorite country to play in? I and why? am going to be, <laughs> and why I'm going to be politically correct and say, I have been grateful for each country that I've been able to experience, um, for all, for various reasons. Um, I think with Australia, it being my first experience overseas, um, how much I learned, how much I, en- I ended up enjoying, because I was really hesitant about like, what is overseas going to be like? And to have Australia as my first experience, the people there, um, the basketball, the culture, it was so much fun um, and the perfect amount of time for my first experience. Right. Um, and then Israel I always wanted to visit Israel as a person just for like tourist purpose purposes. And I was able to like, when you're, when you're in these countries, like you're not a tourist, you're an actual, like, like you live there for months. And so you become somewhat of like a temporary resident and you get to experience the culture. And so to experience the Shabbats every Friday and Saturday, Mm. how the, the pace of the country is different. Like you actually like have that day of rest that the whole country takes and you don't practice, you don't like you take that time. And so to experience Mm -hmm. authentic Shabbat dinners with some of my teammates and their families, like that's something that you can tell your kids about one day that you can share with your family when you go back home. Um, so that the unique culture of Israel and then the basketball 
within itself, it was, it taught me a lot. Like that was, I think, a more of just self-discovery process of what am I going to be like as a professional basketball player? What does that look like? Um, and that was that year for me was a lot of self-discovery. So I'm really mm -hmm. grateful for the lessons there. And then Spain was when things started to come together a little bit more. Yes. Um, and I started to find my rhythm as a professional, find my footing. And I just love the basketball, like I talked right. about. And my teammates, my team there, they were so awesome. It was another like small city type vibe too. So there, we had a lot of fan support and um, the people... Spain is beautiful. Um, the country, the basketball is top notch, like some of the best in the world. And so each yes. game demanded your best. Um, and so I've loved every single country that I've been able to go to next season. I'm going to Italy. So that's going to be a whole that. different experience. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go to Italy. So I've always been wanting to play there too. And that's going to be, that's really good basketball. there. very fast. Um, you know, that European brand. Um, and then who, who else? I, I have no idea what else is going to be there. I'm going to figure it out and I'll let you know. Bert. Um, but yeah, overseas is, it's not for everybody, but oh, I'm so sorry. I just got a call. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Am I with you again? You're with me. Okay. Just making sure. I'm so sorry. Overseas is worth it. Like it is so much fun to be able to experience it, I agree. to play basketball with and yes. against the best to make lifelong friends, new family. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. So yeah, I'll keep you posted of what Please Italy do. is like. Yes. Well, Sid, the interview is not fully over because now we have um, some fun opportunities for you. I'm really excited for this one. We've got a game. It's called the Slanguage Test. And I'm oh, going to test gosh. you with some Australian slang. Because for those of you who do not know, Australians speak English, but it's very different. So sure I'm going to ask you some vocab words and hopefully you will have the right answer to these words. Are you ready? No, I'm not. Here. You're not ready. <laughs> here it is. No. More Jeopardy cards. All right. I just sip some water. I'm ready. All right. I got six words for you. Let's see how many you get out of six. Okay. Number one, Sheila. Lady, woman. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Look at you. See? Okay. Up to a strong start. <laughs> now, this is my favorite one. I love when I talk to Australians and they call them these songs. Uh, foot flops. Yes. We're not talking the fancy underwear. Thong, 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 you know. thong. Yeah. Thong, song. <laughs> one of my faves. Okay. I hope I pronounced this one right. <laughs> Um, is it Dunny or Dooney? Dunny. I think it's the bathroom or the toilet. Yes. Wow, Sid. You're a true Australian. It's coming back to me. It's all coming back to me. Now, I love this one when I looked it up. This one's called Maccas. McDonald's. Yes. Wow, Sid. <laughs> so can you send a sentence for me? Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to, to Macca's to get some brekkie. Would you want some? <laughs> brekkie, I love it. <laughs> they, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing they don't like to use whole words out there in Australia. They, they try and okay. make it super simple. <laughs> okay, super so simple. Brekkie. Okay, um, this one is your four for four. This is number five. It's frothy. Frothy. I, uh. 
Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> um, I'm going to a bar and I'm going to drink a frothy. A beer. Yes. But my contact clues gonna- gave it away. Yeah, you sure uh-huh. did. And I appreciate that. But <laughs> but I literally was gonna say, I mean, that's that's it describes a drink, but I know they wouldn't just say like that as a descriptive word. It would right. actually like mm-hmm. okay. I would yes. have gotten it wrong, but I appreciate your I'm gonna give you four point five for that. A point five for that. Okay, <laughs> last you. one. Chook. Or choke. Or choke choke. No, I, I think it's choke. Ch- I'm gonna say C H. O O K. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be, my friends from Australia are going to be mad at me. I don't know. I don't know. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Um, I don't know this one. Okay. This one is chicken. Chicken. Oh, what? That's what it's. Oh my gosh. I went to several websites and this word was on there and it says it means chicken. Well, it's Were you chicken right. out there in Australia? Yeah, but I called it chicken. <laughs> I never heard chook before. I'm going to have, I'm going to text my Australian friends Please. and say, what the heck, chook? Please. And um, <sighs> when I talk to you tomorrow, because I'll see you tomorrow, um, okay, I'll ask you. <laughs> If we can get a confirmation of that word. Yeah, I'll make sure to text them right now and say, hey, or we could text Lay and say, Lay, what is chook? Yes, we have an Australian teammate. She's actually playing in the Olympics with Australian national team, Leilani Mitchell, and she's Australian. So we're going to ask her what chook means. I hope I'm not saying like some, um, some racial, you know, this arbitrary word. You're like, chook. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. I, did I do something wrong? I did that sometimes too. Like they had, I think Kiwi is a phrase that they call New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing with me for like a media thing where they tested me on like my vocab, like Australian yes. vocab. And they said Kiwi. And I was like, uh, <laughs> a fruit. And they were like, no, it's a New Zealander. And I said, and I hope I'm correct on that. Like, I hope I did not forget and the same thing. So a lot of things, that's another thing too. We just, we do our best. And if we make a mistake, we apologize and we learn. Yes. When I first went to Hungary, um, I learned what the word pussy meant. <laughs> I mean, it, it, take a guess. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll, I don't want you to say anything inappropriate, <laughs> but it means kiss. So, you know, when you'll oh, say kisses, kisses, like I mean, yeah. Yes. We don't really say it on the phone as Americans, but I know in, in other countries, you know, they'll be like mm-hmm. kisses, hugs, you know, when he exiting a phone call. And so when I was first in Hungary, um, you know, I'm listening to my teammate talk. It's literally my first day in Hungary. I'm listening to my teammate talk to her boyfriend and she ends a conversation with pussy, pussy. And I'm like, these are some freaking <laughs> people here. All the old ladies were saying it to me after the game. Pussy, pussy. I'm like, old ladies too? Can someone tell me what this means? Because it can't. It has to mean something else. It has to mean something else. I shortly learned that pussy means kisses. It's a term of endearment. (laughs) You learn something new every day. You're Every day. Every day. Well, so this is my favorite part of the show. 
It's the last part. And it's it's the story of the day. I want you to tell me what is the craziest overseas experience you went through? Because everyone, I I get crazy stories when I ask this question to people. So I want to hear yours. I think it's going to be good. Oh, gosh. Um, Well, I think my craziest overseas, like, season was Israel. We went Mm -hmm. through, so the style of Israeli basketball, the Israeli league, they go through Americans like there's no tomorrow. Like they, yeah. they bring in players on like constantly. And the team that I was on three weeks in, we fired our coach. <laughs> and then after that, we, we got rid of an American, got rid of another American. She went to another Israeli team, mm-hmm. um, brought in two new Americans at one point. So for this specific country, for Israel, you can only have two Americans. At one point we had three Americans. So it felt like you were trying out to remain on the team. Like you, because you you can only play two in the game. You can only have two. And so we had like a practice where there were three of us and it felt like you were trying out for a team. And you're like, am I not like supposed to be here to play basketball for you? And you're making me feel like this is a tryout. That's ridiculous. So survive the tryout. (laughs) So we go through three Americans in a span of like a month and a half. Wow. And then you're thinking, okay, we're good to go. We're good to go. Bring, get rid of another American, bring another one in. Didn't go well, get rid of her thinking about, I think maybe we'll just have one American. And I was the only American, like at that point, there was a, there was a Jewish American that was also, that was my roommate at the time. So like we were the two consistent presences from like an import standpoint. And so like, and this is, like four months in, we had been through like six Americans and we're talking about, are we bringing in another one to like finish out the season? Or are we just going to like, let it be at this point? Yeah. And we decided to bring in another American for like the last of course. week or last four months, four weeks of the season, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a lot. Actually, I think we might have be able to have three Americans. I think, I don't remember the, the number, but at one point, Americans are just Americans. going through left and right. I can't keep, I can't even keep track anymore. So that, that span of like four months was like, mm. what is going on? And then yeah. like basketball wise, how do you play through that? You don't even know who you're playing with. Yes. So it was crazy. Like that Israeli mm, experience was like, woo. I look back at that sometimes and I, I'll tell my, my roommate, um, Drew, we'll just talk about like, if we can survive 2018 in Israel, <laughs> we can survive anything. It was wild. Anything. Truly, that's what you feel like when you go through a crazy overseas experience. Like, if I can get through that. I can do anything. With a Bird. foreign language. I can be through yeah. Anything. Are you able to share your one of your crazy overseas stories? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I have to think. Um, let me. <laughs> okay, I had a Hungarian boyfriend <laughs> A week oh, if oh that my gosh. whoa <laughs> I had a um Hungarian boyfriend I was 24 at the time and he was 19 <laughs> but he no, looked wrong cougar. he looked he he was a okay. tall boy <laughs> um and we were working out at this gym my whole team working out this gym that we have and he was there and I was like, who was that? 
I ain't never seen him in sex art before because, you know, my town's small. You see everybody. So when I was like, I asked my team, I said, who was that? <laughs> she was like, of course, you want me to ask you? <laughs> she want me to say something. I was like, you know, like how you were a, a, a kid, you know, like, go tell my a crush on him. She was like, do you want me to say something? I was like, oh, you don't have to. So she's over there. She was like, okay, I'm going to go. She goes and, you know, is speaking to him in Hungary and like, hey, this girl thinks you're cute. You know, I'm over there lifting weights like, oh, <laughs> look yeah. at my biceps. <laughs> Getting strong. <laughs> I look all cute. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, she tells me, she comes back to me. She was like, oh, yeah, he's 19. He doesn't really speak much English. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, so um if you want to make me to happen I'll make it happen she's like I'll give you this Instagram so I was like okay so I got his Instagram we started messaging surprisingly English wasn't as bad as I thought you know could be it could have been way worse terrible but I knew he was using Google Translate for sure (laughs) (laughs) for him he he was really trying at first I was trying to speak in Hungarian to him through translator I'm like no if you're gonna be my man you're going to learn some English. So, <laughs> so I invited him to our basketball game. You know, he came over to the game. We won the game. Woo. So he comes out, me and my teammates decided we're going to go out, um, eat, you know, eat dinner. And so um, he sat in the back seat with me as our teammates took us all, you know, to the restaurant because we knew we were going to have a good time. So, you know, we had dinner and it was fun. We drank, we had fun, you know, in, in Europe, you can be 18 to drink. So it was fun. Um, and then in the back seat, he reached over and kissed me. And I was like, and my teammates were like, oh, ew, Eric. And I'm like, it was him. It was him. <laughs> He did it. He did it. Ran an alcohol, you know, makes you a little more ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so was, yeah, I gave him a kiss goodnight. And so everything was great. Sorry, folks are listening. I'm telling long story. So we move on to it. the next couple of days. You know, this was the hot stuff for the team. The reason why I really pursued this relationship with my, with my, um, my ex-Hungarian boyfriend, um, his name was G. Um, that's his nickname. His his first name was um, Geiger, but we called him G. Um, and so, you know, this is hot stuff on the team, you know, like it was something for the team to talk about. You know, sometimes overseas basketball, you're just playing basketball. This is fun for us. This, it was like yeah. he was the team boyfriend. And granted, when you're overseas, you have teammates that are like kids, you know, they're in high school stuff. So I'm like, oh yeah, I know him, Erica. He tried to get at me a couple months ago. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm a cougar. <laughs> so this boy falls in love with me after the first date. Um, he was texting me. Um, he wanted to hang out. He wanted me to meet his parents, his sister. And I was like, oh gosh, what did I do? Also, um, side note, his nickname for me was Etta. Edda. Yes, Edda. he called me. I was wow. his Edda. And so all my team was when they see me, they were like, hey, Edda, hey, Edda. So <laughs> anyways, fast forward, we went on a date, another little date before practice. Um, and he was already starting to get on my nerves because he was just too clinky. He <laughs> had never experienced 
an American, let alone a black girl. So, you know, I'm like the freaking goddess out there. I mean, not to just too hard, but like, really, no, you are. we look freaking different. There's something that they never experienced yes. before. So for him dating a black girl, it was like, oh, the Mecca. So he fell in love with me. Yeah. And I had to, I had to break his heart. And um, I told him, during, yeah. yep. Um, after three days. Yeah. I told him, I said, wow. gee, I'm trying to focus on basketball. I'm sorry. And he was like, but how could you, when you told me that you liked me, do you not? And I was like, gee, he, he kept dragging him on. Gee, it's, it's, it's done. We, we're not going to do it. And he said, <laughs> and this is my favorite part of my team. He said, he said, Erica, you broke to my heart. Cause you know, he's speaking <laughs> through the translator. You broke my heart. I was, I'm as a man, I come to you and saying that I really liked you and you broke my heart. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I need to focus on basketball. And so that was my little you, romance. You broke this kid's heart. He's a child, 19 years old, broke his heart. And I love, cause I've done it before too, where I'm like, I gotta focus on basketball. I, I gotta focus <laughs> on basketball. <laughs> such an easy the go-to excuse when you just, just want to be like yeah this isn't it but like I I really have to focus on b-ball you know I have to this is my career and that was only only over, over a three-day span yep and so I would see him in the stores and stuff after I would, of course gee geez here I have to go I have to go down a different aisle that happened and one time, time I finally too. saw him and he saw me and I gave him a little head nod and kept walking <laughs> Have to push in. Oh, oh my gosh, romance is in and Hungary. That's my uh, crazy overseas story. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I know that was a long draw story. My stories are always go with extra details, I but I appreciate everyone like listening into the first episode of Bird's Eye View: True Stories of Overseas basketball i thank my guest sydney weiss my lovely teammate my dog for life you've been great sid where can people find you um on social media if they want to go although you do not participate in social media often (laughs) when you do where can people find you i um i'm on twitter and instagram same username at sweese baby 24 s-w-i-e-s-e baby two four um gotcha. yeah I bird has made a couple heartfelt posts and I have left her hanging and I feel so bad about that uh but I've just been upset, folks. just been I've been I'm just trying out I'm trying to be real present in my life right now and so maybe one of these days I'll be back on the social media grind but bird's holding it down for both of us thank you Sid um I'm trying my best so for people who want to follow the show you know we'll be posting some some fun content on social media you can find us at bird's eye view underscore podcast working on getting to twitter but for now we'll be on instagram so everyone stay tuned this is fun i'm really excited about the future of the show my first guest sydney was had to be my bud um thank you for listening this has been great ciao ciao see ya how we say in hungry how do you say it? how would you say uh goodbye in hebrew i'll say um i'll say good night in <laughs> good night in hebrew lila okay. Lila Toes! Lila Toes! Bye, everyone! <laughs> <laughs>